Welcome back, Crimeaholics. It's your host, Holly, and today is Monday, and all the OGs know what that means. It's Missing Monday. For those of you that are new to the podcast, welcome. Missing Mondays is a segment that was created to help keep missing persons' name and information in the media the best we can and to hopefully help aid in their return home. 90,000 people are missing in the U.S. at any given time, and while some are found alive or deceased, the majority are still missing today. When the hype of a missing person case dies down and people go back to their daily lives, the families of the missing often feel forgotten. It is my mission with my platform and my podcast to continue to share the stories of the missing and to let their families know that they are never forgotten to us or our listeners. A lot of these cases just need one tip or one clue to blow the case wide open. You never know who you can reach that may know something, and that is why we do what we do. Someone knows something on these cases, and it just takes a matter of one person coming forward with that information to help give these families closure and the answers that they deserve. Also, with these cases, the information can be limited, which, unfortunately, the information on today's case is fairly sparse. But these cases are the cases that need the most coverage and the most attention. Before we dive into the details of today's case, I actually have a very sad update, unfortunately, on a Missing Monday case that I recently covered on the podcast. On September 19th, I covered the case of Alexis Gabe, who went missing in Antioch, California. On November 7th, Cron 4 reported that the remains of the 24-year-old woman who went missing on January 26 were recovered near Plymouth, California, which is just east of Sacramento. A person called the tip line telling authorities that they stumbled across human remains. And during the press conference, police shared a map that her boyfriend and suspected killer Marshall Jones had wrote, which led to the area where the remains were subsequently recovered. It is said that black plastic bags and duct tape were also found at the scene where Alexis was found. She was positively identified with dental records, and the case is now considered closed due to Marshall Jones having been shot and killed by police when he had come out of his apartment with a knife when they were there attempting to arrest him. I will have a link to Alexis's episode in the description of this episode so you can get caught up on that case, but in the meantime, keep her family in your thoughts and prayers. So today's case actually took place in my hometown of Kaiser, Oregon. This case has been heavily requested since I started this podcast by many friends and followers that know that I grew up in the Salem-Kaiser, Oregon area. I followed this case as it happened in real time, and it has always bothered me the lack of widespread coverage on her case. This is the first time I have covered a case that took place where I'm from, and the first time I am covering a case that I literally know exactly where she went missing from. I have to say it's a little bit weird to talk about a case that is this close to home. So let's cut to the chase here and dive right into this case. Today's Missing Monday case is on the disappearance of Cynthia Martinez Perez. 
Cynthia Martinez Perez was originally from Tigard, Oregon, and she was the oldest child of six children. She was very family-oriented and loved to spend time with her family and was very close with her mother, Angelica, and her stepfather, Cesar. Cynthia is described to be this very upbeat young woman who always had a smile on her face and just loved to make people laugh with her silly jokes. On top of being a jokester, Cynthia loved to cook and was known for these super delicious shrimp dishes that everyone loved to eat. There isn't much out there about Cynthia's childhood or much more information on who she was as a person, but I do know that she loved tattoos and she had a good number of them on herself and this was something that she liked to joke about with her mom. She often wouldn't tell her mom when she was going to be getting a new tattoo. She would just get it, and then a couple days after already getting it, she would be like, hey, mom, look at my new tattoo. And again, it was just kind of like a joke between them. So I'm just going to go ahead and list off really quick all of her tattoos. She had the word Dominguez on her chest, a princess crown on her left shoulder, the name Charisma on her right shoulder, 503 behind her right ear, the words Trust No One above her chest, the words Walk by Faith, Not by Sight on the outside of her right calf, Forgive Never Forget on her left shoulder blade, a C in Old English font between the index finger and her left thumb, Marilyn Monroe's face with a skull intertwined on her right thigh, the words, if you are going to be two-faced, at least make one of them pretty, next to that Marilyn Monroe tattoo. She also had one of those tattoos that say two different things when you look at it at different directions, and one way it said trust when her right forearm was down and then faith when the arm was raised. She also had the name Jessie below her collarbone on the right side. Clearly, Cynthia loved tattoos, and a lot of those tattoos held a lot of meaning to her. Cynthia was also a mother to four children, and they were her absolute world. She had always dreamed of being a mom, and she had always wanted to have a lot of kids. She was a natural when it came to being a mama, and she did an incredible job with her children. In July of 2017, Cynthia was living in Woodburn, Oregon, and had just given birth to her fourth child, which was a baby girl that she named Sophia. During this time, she was on maternity leave from her job, but it was said that she was considering going back to school and pursuing a job in law enforcement. So Cynthia had a lot of goals and dreams and things that she was really working towards. On Saturday, July 15th, 2017, Cynthia went out to breakfast with her mother Angelica and stepfather Cesar, and this breakfast outing was actually a late birthday celebration because Cynthia had just turned 26 years old a few days before. While at breakfast, the family chatted about making plans to go hiking the following day at Silver Falls State Park. While at breakfast, Cynthia also asked her mom if she would be willing to watch her kids later that evening so that she could attend a quinceanera. 
And I'm pretty sure that most people know what a quinceanera is, but if you don't, it's actually a big celebration in the Hispanic culture where they celebrate a girl's 15th birthday. Pretty much you know what a sweet 16 birthday party is. It's like that, but for the 15th birthday, and it's a huge, huge, huge party where they dress up in big, beautiful dresses and celebrate. I have always admired this tradition and always wanted to attend one. However, I have never been invited to a quinceanera before, but they look like absolutely amazing celebrations. So Cynthia wanted to go to this quinceanera, and I'm not exactly sure whose quinceanera this was for. I'm assuming, however, it was a friend's kid or something along those lines, because had it been for someone in the family, her parents and extended family obviously would have attended too. Either way, though, Cynthia really wanted to go, and Angelica agreed to watch her kiddos for her that night. Cynthia was really excited that her mom agreed because this was going to be the first time that she was going to be able to go out without her kids since giving birth to Sophia. And as a new mom and a mom in general, sometimes we just need those nights out to relax, unwind, and just enjoy ourselves. So this was something that Cynthia was so excited about. Later that evening, she began getting ready to go to the party, and she got dressed up in a cute black and floral romper, and she paired it with a pair of lace-up peep-toe black booties. She did her makeup, and she had on a pair of false lashes. She curled her hair. She went all out and pampered herself like she deserved. Sometimes a girl has just got to get all dolled up and ready for a good time, and that is exactly what Cynthia did. Before leaving for the party, she took a quick selfie and then was on her way out the door. Around 10.30 p.m., Cynthia's mom, Angelica, spoke to her on the phone, and this was just a conversation just to check on her, see how it was going, see if Cynthia was enjoying herself at the quinceanera, and Cynthia said that she was still there and was waiting for the birthday girl to cut the cake. Angelica told her, no worries, just keep me posted on your plans, and they hung up the phone. This would be the last time that Angelica would speak to her daughter. As the night progressed, Angelica did notice the lack of communication from her daughter. She hadn't heard from her via text or phone call, and though she felt that this was kind of odd, she did just assume that perhaps Cynthia's phone had died or maybe she was just really enjoying herself and was distracted. Now, I'm not really sure what the arrangement was as far as the kids go. I'm not sure if Angelica and Cynthia had planned to have the kids spend the night at Angelica's that evening or if she had planned to come and pick them up late that evening when the party was over or if it was planned that Cynthia was never going to come back at all that night. That part was a little unclear. But what I do know is that Angelica eventually fell asleep, and when she woke up the following morning, she still hadn't heard from Cynthia, nor had she come back to the house the night before. Everyone began their daily routine and began to get ready for that hike that the family had planned to go on. So once they were all ready to go with their hiking boots, their snacks, and packs, and all that jazz, they were just waiting for Cynthia to get back. 
And they waited for a while, but when she didn't show up, they just assumed that she had a fun and late night out with friends and that she likely just overslept. So they went about their day, they went for their hike, but as the day went on and still not a word from Cynthia, they started to get a little bit more worried. Cynthia was not the type of person to not just call anyone or make contact letting people know her plans. Not to mention, Cynthia was a good and responsible mother. She wouldn't just not check in on her kids. And even though she knew that her kids were fine, obviously, because they were safe with her mother, she would have still checked in on them. At this point, Angelica decided that she was going to go ahead and call one of her other daughters just to see if maybe that daughter had spoke to Cynthia, which she had not. This is when I think the mother's intuition kicked in for Angelica. She knew that something here wasn't right, and she went ahead and continued to call various different people to ask if they had spoken or seen Cynthia. And this is when she learned that Cynthia never made it home to her place that night. At this point, Angelica didn't know what to do, but she knew something was wrong, and so she contacted the Woodburn Police Department to report her daughter as missing. The Woodburn Police Department kind of just brushed Angelica off. They said that her daughter likely isn't missing, she's an adult, she's probably still out having fun, and would turn up eventually. And they pretty much told her that there wasn't anything that they could do. Angelica, however, didn't back down. She knew that something wasn't right, so without the help of the Woodburn Police Department, she continued her own search for her daughter. She began calling even more people trying to track down Cynthia, and she got in touch with another one of Cynthia's friends who had also attended that quinceanera party as well. And they told Angelica that while at the party, Cynthia ran into an old female friend that she hadn't seen in forever, and she and the friend had left together after the quinceanera ended to go to a bar to celebrate Cynthia's birthday. After leaving the party, Cynthia and this friend headed to a bar called Tequila Nights Bar and Grill that was located on the corner of River Road and Apple Blossom Avenue in Kaiser, Oregon. Now, from my experience, this bar has always been known to be like a Latin bar or a Latin club. Since Cynthia went missing, this bar has changed names and I believe ownership a few times, but the building itself is still standing and it's still used as a popular spot to hang out on the weekends. Right after Cynthia went missing, they changed the name of the bar to Area 51, but as it stands right now, it's called Fuego Latin Club. When Angelica and Cesar learned that Cynthia had been at that bar that night, they got in their car and drove down from Woodburn to Kaiser to stop in and speak to the employees of this bar. When they spoke with the employees, they all recalled seeing Cynthia there the night before, but said everything seemed completely fine and nothing was out of the ordinary with her. They didn't recall Cynthia being intoxicated, and they didn't recall her stumbling around or anything of that nature. She seemed very level-headed and totally fine. Now, the owner of this bar was super understanding of Angelica's worries and fears for her daughter, and he happily allowed them to review the surveillance footage from the night before, which I have to give super huge praises to this owner for that, because not all people are as willing to listen to these fears, 
and take the time to help. So good on this guy for acknowledging Angelica and Cesar's feelings and understanding and being so willing to help them. Angelica and Cesar sat down and began reviewing the footage, and they eventually spot Cynthia and her female friend entering the bar. The two women sat down and they were just hanging out and chatting over a few drinks. According to the Statesman Journal, the outfit that Cynthia had worn that night did not have any pockets, so she gave her friend her phone and her ID for her to hold on to. After they hung out for a while, Cynthia's friend ends up leaving the bar, completely leaving Cynthia behind alone. Now, I couldn't find any reasoning on why she would have left Cynthia behind like that. I'm not sure if she was supposed to come back or if they had a disagreement or what exactly happened, but this friend completely left without Cynthia, and from my understanding, she was Cynthia's ride home. On the surveillance footage, Angelica and Cesar see Cynthia walk outside of the bar, and then a few moments later, she walks back inside. Angelica believes that this was her daughter going outside to look for her friend, but came back inside when she realized that she had left. Not only had her friend left her, but she had left with Cynthia's belongings. So Cynthia is essentially stranded at this bar by herself, no ride home, and no phone to call for a ride from family. While back inside, Cynthia begins chatting with two Hispanic males that she didn't know. At closing time for the bar, which was around 2.30 a.m., Cynthia is seen leaving the bar with the two men and they got into a blue 2004 Honda Odyssey minivan before driving off. Now, Angelica says that she imagines that her daughter had went outside with the men and learned that they were also headed to Woodburn and they offered to give her a ride. Angelica thinks that while out in the parking lot, her daughter likely noticed that inside that minivan was a child's car seat and that she had likely felt like this man was safe because he was a father. So Angelica and Cesar are sitting there watching all of this play out on the security footage, and I can only imagine the terrible fear they must have felt as they watched Cynthia get inside a car with two men that she didn't know. After seeing this, Angelica went to Facebook and took the still images from the bar and shared them all over social media to see if anyone knew either of these men. And one of the people who saw this post was able to identify one of the men as then 30-year-old Jaime Alvarez Oliveira, and another person was able to provide Angelica with his address. Now, I have to say that I admire the hell out of Angelica because once she got Jaime's address, she drove to that area of Woodburn and found his house. She also found that the blue minivan was parked out front. So Angelica knocks on the door and a woman comes to the door and Angelica asks if Jaime is home. And this woman claims that nobody named Jaime lives there and that she also states that she doesn't even know anybody named Jaime. But Angelica kept pressing her for information stating that her daughter is missing. She tells the woman how she knows Jaime has to live there and that the blue minivan that her daughter had gotten into was parked out front. 
Now, this woman eventually admits that, okay, yes, Jaime does live there, and that Jaime was actually her husband, but she claimed that she did not know where her husband was, and then she proceeded to shut the door on Angelica's face. Once more, Angelica was not backing down. She stood there at the door and continued to bang on the door, demanding answers until finally someone called the police. When the Woodburn Police Department arrived, she told them about everything leading up to that point, and she pointed out that the Woodburn PD could have helped her out, but they refused, so she took it upon herself to figure out where her daughter was on her own. She told them about what led her to Jaime's home in Woodburn and that the police needed to get inside that home and search for her daughter. And they pretty much told her that because Cynthia had gone missing in Kaiser, that there wasn't anything once more that they could do for the case at that point. They also told Angelica that she needed to go to the Kaiser Police Department for assistance. Angelica then drove back down to Kaiser and went straight to the police department. Which by this point in time, when she got back to Kaiser, it was now 2 a.m. Monday morning, meaning that a full 24 hours had nearly passed since Cynthia left that bar with Jaime and the other man. Thankfully, the Kaiser Police Department jumped on this case immediately and launched an investigation, which huge shout out to KPD on that because Angelica didn't need another police department telling her just to wait it out. So thankfully, Kaiser Police Department stepped up to the plate to search for Cynthia. Straight out the gate, KPD busted out everything they could for this case. They immediately created a missing persons poster that began being shared on social media and all over. They went to the bar to take statements from those who were there that night, and they were really trying to figure out what had happened to Cynthia and to track down Jaime. Though the Kaiser Police Department jumped on the case quickly, Cynthia's stepfather Cesar was quoted saying, Unfortunately, it wasn't fast enough. Later, we found out that Sunday is when Jaime left, the day he fled. If right from the beginning the other police department would have helped us, we would have had a much greater chance at catching him. According to the Statesman Journal, news of Cynthia's disappearance traveled fairly quickly, and they had local TV stations, newspapers, and even a few national publications picking up the story to share far and wide. However, I don't feel like it got shared that far. I feel like this case was a little bit lacking on the information and the coverage, but there was some mainly local news coverage of it. A Facebook page called Missing Cynthia Martinez Perez was also created by a complete stranger who reached out to Angelica asking to help. On this page, they would share updates about the case as well as pictures of Jaime and Cynthia. This page is still active, which of course I will have the link to this page in the description of this episode. However, they don't share much details about Cynthia's case anymore because unfortunately, there isn't any new updates. But they do try and help share other missing persons information to bring awareness, which of course I admire. 
On August 9th, 2017, so three weeks after Cynthia went missing, the Kaiser Police Department publicly identified Jaime Alvarez Oliveira as the person of interest in her disappearance. They confirmed that he was one of the individuals spotted in the footage from the Tequila Nights bar. They also were able to track down the second man who was seen with Jaime and Cynthia on that night which he fully cooperated with the investigation, so his name was never released to the public, but he told investigators that he was dropped off first at his home in Kaiser before Jaime and Cynthia were supposed to head to Woodburn. Many searches were done by Angelica and Cesar looking for anything relating to Cynthia. They searched all over Marion County and up and down River Road and found nothing. Now, River Road is a very busy road. It is one of the main drags in Kaiser and literally has everything you need on this road. If something was going to be found on this road belonging to Cynthia or even Cynthia for that matter, it would have been found by now. Angelica said that now it's way too hard for her to get out there and search for her daughter. She can't do it anymore. In the beginning, she was excited to go look for Cynthia and hopeful that they would finally be able to find her and bring her home. But every time they came back empty-handed, the harder it became for her and the more painful it was. She also told the Statesman Journal that every time she hears of an unidentified body being found, she reaches out to the Kaiser detectives asking if it's her daughter. I cannot imagine the pain and suffering she feels waiting to hear that her daughter's body has been found. It's now been over five years and still no answers. In the years since Cynthia went missing, the Kaiser Police Department has continued to not only search for Cynthia, but they continue to search for Jaime, who is still on the run. The drive between Kaiser and Woodburn is about 20 to 25 minutes, give or take, and it's a straight shot up I-5. That's a good amount of distance for something to have happened between Cynthia and Jaime on this drive. And we can only be left to speculate on what may have happened because there is just zero information out there that has been released. There is a little bit of information out there about Jaime, so this is what we know about who he is. At the time that Cynthia went missing, Jaime was 30 years old. He worked as a farm laborer who harvested berries, and he worked for a labor firm where he would call in every morning and would be directed to different labor jobs. Authorities believe that Jaime left Marion County on July 16, 2017, and they stated that they are unsure whether he fled the country to Mexico. But it is heavily rumored on social media that he did in fact flee to Mexico. But authorities have declined to say whether they are searching in Mexico for Jaime. Now, they did take the minivan into custody, but they never released any information on what they found or if they found anything at all. Angelica and authorities questioned all of Cynthia's friends, trying to figure out if Jaime and Cynthia knew each other, but they couldn't find any kind of connection between the two at all. One thing I do question is Jaime's wife. Why did she initially lie about even knowing Jaime, then to find out she's his wife? Like, what was the purpose of lying and covering up like that? 
That really doesn't make sense to me, but I do hope, and I'm assuming that she was, thoroughly looked into and questioned. I do, however, feel like it was a missed opportunity for the Woodburn Police Department to have at least asked the wife to come in and check to see if Jaime was there, instead of just turning Angelica away. Because it is believed that he had left at some point during the day on the 16th. So maybe he was still at the apartment and then ran after knowing that the police were outside of his door and that the mother of the now-missing Cynthia was there too. I can only hope that Jaime's wife wasn't covering for him, but crazier things have happened in cases, unfortunately. The Kaiser police have asked to speak with anyone who might have seen Jaime and his blue 2004 Honda Odyssey minivan or captured the vehicle on surveillance footage between Sunday, July 16, 2017, around 2.30 a.m. and Monday, July 17, around 11.45 a.m. in any rural, farmland, or forested areas northeast of Kaiser, Brooks, Lake Labiche, Silverton, Mount Angel, Scotts Mills, or Malala. Police also have not provided any kind of motive for Jaime, and they are still stating that he is not a suspect at this point, but just a person of interest and someone that they would like to speak with. However, if you ask me, Homeboy is for sure a suspect given the fact that he has completely fled and hasn't been seen since that night. Not to mention his wife seemingly lying for him. I just don't have a good feeling about this guy. There is now an $8,000 reward from the FBI and up to $2,500 in a reward from Crime Stoppers of Oregon for information leading to the location of Cynthia and the conviction of the person responsible for her disappearance. Now, that is all the information that is out there publicly. The Kaiser police say that they are still investigating this case, and it's still a very inactive, ongoing investigation. They also decline to publicly disclose any further details, which makes me feel like they probably have some information that they are keeping close to the vest for obvious reasons. And I really, really, really want to know whether they found any kind of evidence within that van. I feel like whatever happened to Cynthia happened after dropping off the other man in Kaiser and when they were on their way to Woodburn. Possibly Jaime made some sort of sexual advance at Cynthia and she turned him down. I don't know, but I feel like there is for sure more information that is known but being held back again for obvious reasons. They have held many different candlelight vigils for Cynthia and continue to do whatever they can to share her name and her story. Someone out there has to know something. Someone out there has to have seen Jaime or know of his whereabouts. When Cynthia went missing, her youngest baby was only two months old. That baby has lived her entire life not knowing her mama. She said her first word, took her first step, had her first birthday, all without her mom. Cynthia's older children are all growing up and experiencing things without her being there. This family deserves answers, and they deserve to know what happened to Cynthia, and to finally bring her home. 
According to the Statesman Journal article I've referenced several times, the fact that they have yet to find Cynthia's body in Marion County gives Angelica a sliver of hope that her daughter is out there alive somewhere, and that maybe her abductor took her somewhere and is holding her hostage. Cynthia Martinez Perez is described as being 5 foot 1 and 135 pounds. She has dark brown eyes and black hair. She has many tattoos, as I described earlier, and she was last seen wearing a black and floral romper and black lace-up peep-toe booties. The Kaiser Police Department is asking that anyone with information regarding Cynthia's disappearance or anyone who has had contact with Jaime on or after July 16th of 2017 to please contact the primary investigating detective, Kaiser Police Detective Andy Phelps at 503-856-3497. Crimeaholics, that is unfortunately all the information that I have on this case. Make sure that you are a part of our private Facebook group. You can find it by searching Crimeaholics Podcast Discussion Group on Facebook. In there, we share all information and pictures pertaining to the cases that we cover, and we also encourage all of our members to share all things true crime. Make sure you also follow us on Instagram at crimeaholics.podcast. And if you want more true crime content, you can follow me on TikTok at the same username of crimeaholics.podcast podcast. Lastly, if you wish to follow myself personally to keep up with everything that I have going on in life, you can follow me on Instagram at Crimeaholly. Crimeaholics, that is all for this week's Missing Monday. I hope that you all have a safe week and I will be back on Friday with another murder case for you all. Until then, always remember to be aware and take care.